0: God is good all the time. Well, last week a guy called wanted to buy a handful of cows. He said, "I just don't know how I'd get them." I said, "Well, I can run them to you." And he said, "Where do you live?" He said, "Rogersville, Tennessee." And I said, "Not a problem. I'll run them to you." And my wife said, "You're just gonna run them to Rogersville, Tennessee, like you'd run some cows to Pryor?" And I said, "Yeah. What's the deal?" She said, "It's 13 hours." And so I decided to go ahead and run them cattle to Rogersville, Tennessee. And I drove all through the night on Thursday night. And man, on purpose, let me tell you what I was trying to do. You ready? I was trying to get to the Smoky Mountains to watch the sun come up in the Smokies. But let me tell you about running something 13 hours when the weather was like it was last Thursday. I drove 800 and something miles and never turned my windshield wipers off. Never turned them off. So needless to say, as I hurried to the Smoky Mountains to watch the sunrise, all I could see was clouds. But headed east, Wanting to see the sun, all I seen was clouds. And about 6.30 in the morning, the Lord reminded me there's an unclouded day. And although I didn't get to see the S-O-N rise in the east, in the Smokies, one day and one day soon, I'm going to get to watch the S-O-N rise from the east. Turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 2 And I hope you can chew gum and walk at the same time, because I'm going to tell you what came to my mind when I was headed east. It's evident from the Scriptures that God is north. The sacrifices was made according to the Levitical laws on the north side of the altar. The psalmist tells us, Brother Curtis, that exaltation does not come from the east or the west or the south, which means exaltation comes from the north. And when it talks about Satan falling from heaven, guess where he fell? From the furthest sides of the north. So if you will, it's evident that God is north. Everybody stand with me. So God created... come, come from the north. God created mankind... And right after he created mankind, mankind went south. There was a fall in the garden. And so because of a God that sets north and mankind going south, God left the north and come to planet earth. And we'll be celebrating Palm Sunday pretty soon. And that's the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem from the east. He entered in the Eastern Gate because man had went south. He died on the cross, was buried and rose again. And for all the men that went south, he gives them the option to come back north. But he went back to the north. Now stay with me. It's not near as complicated as you think. But He told us in the Scriptures how we'll know it's getting late. sun goes down in the west. And when the sun goes down spiritually on all of eternity, Jesus again will come from the east. That's why if you watch the Riding with Rob, I put I'm headed north but I'm looking east. Because it's later than it's ever been. The sun is going down on all of eternity. And how we know that is because of how far south we've went. Did you ever look at it like that? Pretty neat, isn't it? Everybody else, I hope, has got their Bibles open to Psalms chapter 2 besides Lincoln, and I hope he's at Acts 4 and verse 25. And before I read Psalms chapter 2, I want to tell you that David is a man after God's own heart. And the reason Lincoln is at Acts chapter 4 and verse 25, I'm going to show you in just a moment. And I'm going to show you because you better be careful to the commentators and the preachers you listen to. Because the commentator I first read on this has no idea who read wrote Psalms chapter 2. Because the first commentator I read the commentator had no idea who wrote Psalms chapter 2 and told us we had no idea. So just hang on to that for a minute. David is a man after God's own heart. Okay? And in Psalms chapter 2, David got a glimpse of the spiritual sunset. David got a glimpse of the sun going down on all of eternity. John the Revelator, ain't he the one we always found, Brother David, in the bosom of Jesus? And we call him John the Revelator because in the book of Revelation, he got a glimpse of things to come. So everybody listen to me. Have a heart after God, spend time in His bosom, and you might get a glimpse of some things that are coming down the pike. David got a glimpse of the sun going down on all of eternity. Now I want you to sit and soak, and I want you to listen. I'm just, you, you leave your Bibles open to Psalms chapter 2. I'm gonna read the first three verses, and you keep in mind Here's a man after God's own heart. He got a glimpse of the sun going down on eternity. He got a glimpse of the spiritual sunset. But also keep in mind, the first commentator I read says, We don't know who wrote Psalms chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. First commentator that I read says we don't know who wrote Psalms chapter two. Lincoln is going to read Acts four twenty-five. Wait just a second. This come out of David's mouth. What did David have to say, Lincoln? Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Careful what preachers and commentators you listen to. The words of David are recorded in Acts 4.25. And it's the same words that was sitting right here. Needless to say, I change commentators. Because it's clear David is the man. Because he's quoted in Acts chapter 4 verse 25 and 6. But I like what John Phillips said of Psalms chapter 2. We have four speakers. So keep in mind, David, a man after God's own heart, gets a glimpse of the spiritual sunset. Sun going down on all of eternity. And I believe there's four speakers and the first is David in this meeting. I think you're going to see the second is God the Father. I think you'll see the third is God the Son. And I think you'll see the fourth speaker in Psalms chapter 2 is God the Holy Spirit. In other words, David has a meeting with the triune Godhead and he get a glimpse of eternity's sunset. So what does Dave say? What does Dave see? It's mass... Rebellion. That's what David sees. And when he gets a glimpse of this mass rebellion of mankind, he asks the million dollar question. He, just like the rest of us today, puts his pants on just like us, one leg at a time. The million dollar question is, why? He gets a glimpse of end times and he goes, why? Why would there be a mass rebellion against Almighty God? A man after God's own heart cannot imagine such a mass rebellion against the God of his heart. Look at it. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. If you remember Psalms chapter 1, the godly man meditated upon the law of God. Interesting to me, Brother David, the word plot there in verse 1 is the same word that's used for meditate in Psalms 1. You want me to simplify that for you? In Psalms 1, the godly man meditated, plotted, and pondered how he could get closer to Almighty God. In Psalms chapter 2, the godless man meditates, plots, and ponders, not how we can get closer to God, how can we get rid of God. Mass rebellion. So, look here. Nations have always wanted rid of God. But we said in a nation that used to be different from other nations. This nation called America. We used to welcome Bibles to school and Ten Commandments on the courthouse lawns. We used to welcome prayer in public places. But America, and listen, the sun is setting spiritually. And America, the nation that once wanted God, seems to be... gathering with the counsel of others and is beginning to rebel against God. All the nations, listen, they can have different political ideas, they can have different economic ideas, social ideas, education ideas, but in the sunset of all of eternity, guess what? One thing they all agree on, we want rid of God. They've got a glimpse of this years and years and years and years ago, what would be happening today. Do you get that? Now, I want you to look at it. They want to get rid, number one, of the person of God. It says, the kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Listen to this. Against the Lord, that is Jehovah, meaning one God. The Hebrews say Jehovah, one God. And who are they coming against? Not only Jehovah and His anointed one. As Christians, we call Him Christ, Jesus. Why? He's the anointed one. Anointed one set apart for a specific reason. And Christ was the anointed one set apart to come, to live, to die, and be one way to escape hell and make heaven. So all these nations, are they trying to get rid of Muslims and, and Hinduism and all those things? No. You can have all kinds of gods. Unless it's the God of the Bible. have all kinds of religions. You can have all kinds of rituals. But these nations, listen, they're waging war. They're taking counsel together. We don't mind if they have God's little g, God's little g-o-d-s plural. We don't mind if they have God's. But as they counsel together, we've got to get rid of Jehovah, which the Hebrews say is the one and only God. And we've got to get rid of Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed it interesting? You can talk about God all you want. But when you become specific in that of Christ Jesus, that's when it has to stop. David sees this mass rebellion against, listen here, they want to get rid of the person. In other words, let me put it simply for you this morning. They're plotting and they're ready to get rid of the God of the Bible, which ought to bring me to my second point real easy. How do you get rid of God of the Bible? Get rid of the Bible that shows us God. Cause look what they do next. Let us break the bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. We gotta get rid of these laws. We gotta break these bonds. Let me ask you something. Does this book bring bondage? Or does this book bring freedom? Let me ask that again. Does this book bring bondage? Or does this book bring freedom? See, they're all confused about it, folks. If they don't know God, they think this is a bunch of rules and they think this is bondage. Remember in John chapter 8, Jesus shows up and He's talking to the religious crowd and He said, if you guys would know the truth, the truth will do what? The truth will set you free. And what do them religious people say? Listen, we're descendants of Abraham. They didn't stop there. We've never been in bondage to nobody. Did they forget that they's in Egypt for about 400 years? Isn't it something? He said, "But if you let the sun set you free, you will be free in indeed." See, the kings and the rulers, they sit down and they think that God in person and God in His precepts, the Word of God, bring bondage. But the truth of the matter is, in Jesus we have freedom. Do you realize if it wasn't for Him, you wouldn't move, you wouldn't live, and you wouldn't have your being? Do you realize that? Now this wasn't in my notes, but this come to me early service on this point. I caught some footage yesterday that's very interesting. I got it on video. I pulled into my first kef heifer pasture, 85 head of heifers, Kevin, and about 57 of them are on the ground. And you gotta watch them black-headed buzzards. They'll kill them. But let me tell you what you also gotta watch. A bald eagle. And when I pulled in there, there was a bald eagle. Looked like he stood that high right in the middle of my heifers. And boy, I headed down there in the tractor just to bounce and trying to make sure. And he left. But he wasn't real scared. And I noticed that he took over the pond. And I got done checking the heifers and I got done feeding. Now look up here. I looked over and he had something. And whatever he had in his claws was so heavy when he had tried to fly, he couldn't get off the ground with it. I thought, that rascal's killed one of my calves, and he's got part of my calf. So I bounce around on the tractor, and I mean, this dude's brave. I'd say I get to meet a John from him, and I figure out what he's got. He got him a catfish about this long. So heavy, every time I'd get closer, this bald eagle would try to take flight. I got it on film. He'd try to take flight, but the fish was too heavy. But finally, when I got closer, he didn't have nowhere to go but over the water. And when he tried to get up, that fish began to catch in the water, which made him heavier, and ripped the fish from his claws. Now, I thought the old catfish was done Dead. I thought he was fixing to be a catfish dinner. But much to my surprise, when it, water ripped him out of that eagle's claws, that fish flopped a bit and took out. Now you say, what's that got to do with this scripture? Well, this morning it come to me. I'd been hearing some noises from that pond in weeks past. It was that catfish hollering to be removed from the bondage of water. And I could hear him out there. If I could just get to that bank and not be in the bondage of this pond, I could walk around in that pasture like them cows. I could hop on this bank like them bunny rabbits. Oh, I heard him. If you could just get me out of this pond, Rob. If you'd just set me free. Now, do you believe that? But perhaps that fish thought that. And then yesterday, an old eagle got him out and put him on the bank. And that old fish said, free at last for a few seconds. But then that old fish began to breathe. I hope you're going with me. I'm going to tell you what that fish can do. He can thank the preacher man. For showing up just in the nick of time. Because he thought he'd be free if he could ever get out of that water. And he filled, filled, figured out something. His freedom was in that water. When's this world going to figure out our freedoms in Christ? The living water. <laughs> Amen. Isn't it something how this world says, We're in bondage, we're in bondage, we're in bondage. Listen. Listen. The fish isn't in bondage in water. And when he gets out of that water, he gonna realize real quick, that's where my freedom was at. Yes, amen. And we better understand that God's Word, it, he's not a God of bondage, he's a God that breaks bondage, and there's freedom in Christ in the living water. And so David gets this glimpse of the spiritual sunset. He says, why in the world would they do away with the one that gives them freedom? There ain't bondage in Christ. David knew that. He asked the million-dollar question, why the mass rebellion? But then watch this. I, I just think in my sanctified imagination, Dave, there's this meeting between Dave and the triune Godhead. So God the Father addresses this first. So we go from the mass rebellion, that's David, to the master's reaction, that's God the Father. Watch this. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have put my king on my holy hill of Zion, who's gathering to get rid of God? The kings, the rulers, the presidents, the pomp and tates or something? I heard somebody say one time I don't know what that is. Now, I want you to notice something we're in the last days, and I'm watching a lot of Christians kind of panic. And when David gets a glimpse of this spiritual sunset, what encouragement. He don't have to panic. Let me just point out something about God the Father. Number one, check out his posture. Now he who, he's sitting. We're all in a panic. The last days are here. The sun's going down on all of eternity. God, 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 God. Yeah. We're pacing the floor. God ain't. He's not depressed. He's not oppressed. His posture when the sun's going down on all of eternity, he's as calm as and cool as a cucumber. He sits. Oh, come on. You've got to be pacing the floor, God. No, He sits. Now, let me tell you something. I don't have to panic. Sun is setting spiritually. The sun's going down, S-U-N out, and that means the S-O-N's fixing to come from the east. And as all this is happening, I don't have to panic. You know, you know, I've tried to study when I need to panic. Have you ever studied and tried to figure out, okay, when should I panic? My wife thinks I should panic way, 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 way. My wife thinks I should panic like a long ways before I panic. She just don't see me panic very much. And time, she says I should be panicking. I said, why are you worried? She said, you should be. So the reason I watch people, let me just put it this way. I watch people that know way more about the situation than I do. And if they're not panicking, guess what? Then I'm not going to panic. I never had that more illustrated to me than the birth of old Houston back there at the guy in the sound booth. You guys know him as Trenton. See, I had been in and I'd only seen one child born. That was his elder brother. But when we get to the hospital, I guess Donna had been practicing on her team rope and dally because she had dallied somehow the umbilical cord two times around the boy's neck. So I'm right here My mother-in-law's right there, and out comes old Houston with the umbilical cord, pow, pow. And I thought, now that ain't the way it was on the first boy. And so the first thing I thought, that ain't right. So the first thing I do is I look across the table at my mother-in-law, because she's had five kids. She's watched her daughter's and her daughter-in-law birth a bunch more kids. And I'm just telling you, I like to watch people that know way more about it than I do, and I'm not going to panic till they panic. So I glance up at my mother-in-law, and I really couldn't read whether she was panicking or not. And so I thought, well, she just don't look all that at ease. And by this time, Houston is several different color shades of blue. So I'm wondering, should I be panicking? I really can't read my mother-in-law, and and she's really not the expert. I'm watching the wrong person. So my eyes go to the doctor. And when my eyes first go to the doctor, guess what? He's not panicking, Dave. He just twisting old Houston, kind of turning him here and there, and one rap comes off, but he's kind of turning him a little more, but that other rap ain't coming off. And I watch him try to get his fingers down between that umbilical cord and Houston's neck. And by this time, it's scary blue. And all of a sudden, I looked at that doctor and an urgency come about him and a look upon his face I had yet to see. And I knew it was time to begin to pray hard. That's what you do when you panic. You pray hard. Because the guy that knew more about anything going on in the room's panicking. He knew more about that umbilical cord bent around that baby's neck than anybody else in the room. When he panicked, I watched my mother-in-law's demeanor change. I felt mine change and the others in the rooms changed. Everybody went to panicking. And you know what I see today? In the last time, I see a bunch of people panicking but the one that knows more about the sunset of eternity is sitting his demeanor ain't changed all these people panicking won't you just look at the guy that knows more about this spiritual sunset than anybody and just see that he's just sitting as cool and calm as he can be no need to panic the guy that's got his hand on the throttle He's still in his seat, secondly, that's his posture. that encourages me. But secondly, his place, he who sits in it's right there in front of you. you don't have to look at he who sits in heaven. Have you ever thought about this? Has Earth ever shook heaven? There's this mass rebellion down here. The angels are saying, look, there's this mass rebellion. Things are getting shook up down there on earth, God. Earth can't shake heaven. Heaven can shake earth, but earth can't shake heaven. Are you encouraged this morning? Sun's going down on all of eternity. And let's guess what? You don't have to panic. God is sitting in heaven. Heaven is His throne, and the earth is His footstool. does me a lot of good to see His posture and to see His place. But are you ready for what we see thirdly? Now, this is God the Father. You ready for a big word? We see His parody. P-A-R-O-D-Y. Google it. Mimic humor. As he sits in heaven and watches these kings and rulers try to do away with him, he can't help but find that humorous. Now, why would God find it humorous? Can I explain what's happening? God created mankind. Now creation is going to get rid of the Creator? (laughs) All you men in your power, do you forget that I'm an omnipotent, all-powerful God? You think you've got the power to get rid of an all-powerful God who created you. No wonder he found that humorous. They say there was a man that scaled the walls of Notre Dame, gonna take God out and anything that resembled him, throwed a cross and stomped it, busted it to pieces in the floor, looked at the citizen, said, I'll do away with everything that resembles and, and shows you anything of God. And that citizen looked at that peasant and said, you're gonna throw the stars out of the sky? You're gonna dry up the seas? Come on! God throwed millions of stars in the galaxies. He scooped out the seas. He heaped up the hills. He carved the mountains. And mankind's going to do away with, with everything that resembles God. No wonder he sits in heaven and finds that humorous. You're going to do away with me. Kinda funny, isn't it? The picture is here is like a Three year old telling a 40 year old what they're going to do. See, I hadn't done this yet, but I've sure threatened. And OTL's heard it often when we're up there at the barn and it gets close to something. I said, get away from that boy. I'm going to bust your butt. Now, I hadn't had to do that yet. Maybe needed to. But you know what was humorous the other day up there at the barn? I got over next to something that I told him to get, stay away from. He turned around there and he stuck that finger up and he said, Pass Paul, get away from that or I'm going to bust your butt. You have chuckle at that, don't you? Come on, like the three year old's going to bust my butt. I found that kind of humorous in the barn that day. And in this meeting between David and the triune Godhead, it's almost like the rulers and the kings of this earth looked up to heaven and said, Hey God, I'm going to bust your butt. I'm going to do away with you. And it's just like Pastor Paul looking at T.L. saying, Yeah, right. That's the picture. So here we got this meeting. David gets a glimpse of it. He says, why? God the Father. His reaction is he stays seated in heaven. He laughs, but then look at his pronouncement. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and in distress and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. You know what God the Father says to David? Let all the kings and the presidents and all the powers come together. Let them plot against me. Let them try to get rid of me. Listen, I'm going to sit here in heaven, and I find that humorous, but let me make an announcement. They just think they're kings. They just think they're judges. I've done set my king on the holy hill of Zion. When the sun goes down for eternity, there's going to be one king left. And he'll rule and reign from the new Jerusalem. Got that? So in this meeting, Dave gets a glimpse of it. He says, why? God the Father gives his... And then I can just see in this meeting, Miss Bonnie, I, I just got this sanctified imagination. God the Father turns around and says, Son, you got anything to say? And in the next verses, it's like God the Son says, Yeah, I've got a few things to say. So now we're in the third speaker. Got anything to say, son? So we've seen the mass rebellion. Is everybody with me? We saw the master's reaction. He sits in heaven laughing, but then he warns the kings. There's one king. Son, you got anything to say? Now we see the Messiah's retribution. Now the son speaks. I will declare the decree. Now, what are they getting together for? To write decrees, ain't they, Dave? To change and write the laws and and write them where God's gone from them. So when the son has opportunity to speak at this meeting, first thing he says, I'll be the one writing the decrees. Now, watch what he says. He speaks of his sonship right here. He says, The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Jesus in this meeting must have went way back when when Satan showed up to tempt him in the wilderness. Do you remember what Satan told him? Bow down and worship me. And what? I'll give it all to you. And some people say, well, it wasn't his to give. Wait a minute. He went in there and deceived mankind. And my Bible says he's the God of this world. So mankind legally lost it. So the devil's saying, if you bow down and worship me, you can have her all. But see, Jesus knew that the devil's time was short. He knew there was a time coming. He knew he was the son of God and all this that you deceive mankind out of, my father's going to take her back through my death, burial, and resurrection. And when I go to the cross and I defeat the grave and I send back to heaven, there's going to be a day coming. I'm the son. You may have my inheritance for a moment but I'm going to get her back. And everything in this earth, you may possess it now, but I'm going to write the, I'm going to declare the final decree. I'm getting her back because I am the son. I'm the boy. And then not only does he speak of his sonship, listen here, he speaks of the severity that he's coming with. Look what he says in verse 9. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. All you guys that thank your kings, you thank your judges, and listen, I'm the son, I'm the king, I'm the judge, I'm the one with all the power, and when I come again, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to break you with a rod of iron. I'm going to dash you to pieces like a potter's vessel. Some of you remember me sharing this. I'm going to tell you what Jesus is going to do. You ready for this? He's going to crocodile Dundee him. Do you remember when Crocodile Dundee come to New York? Do you remember when his friend was off at work and he was coming down that alleyway in New York City and I believe there was four of them, if my memory serves him right, they jump in front of him, they are going to rob Mr. Dundee. They are thieves. And they jump out in that New York alleyway and they pop out with them, them switchblade knives. Click, click, click. I mean, this is Crocodile Dundee. He's looking around for the animal or the varmint they need to be catching. He has no idea until they hold him up to him and say, give us your money, give it to us now. And then he realizes, hey, these guys are trying to overpower me. And what does he say? Have you watched the movie? He said, mate, you call that a knife? That's not a knife. And he pulls out a machete. He said, this is a knife. And I mean, they dropped their little, little Make believe knives And they run like scalded dogs What I'm trying to tell you Jesus said I'll I'll, I'll make the decree I'm coming again And you'll realize You're not a king You're not a judge And what you're going to realize You've got cap pistols And water guns And you're trying to fight A holy God And I want you to know You're not a king You're not a judge That's not a gun That's not a knife You want to see power He takes a lightning bolt well, Profound there's power. They just think they're in power. This morning, you know, we've got grandkids. But the youngest is not married, so we've got a grand dog. And so we're babysitting the dog this weekend. Wayland, Wailing. I hadn't had much to do with the dog. And this morning I've been studied up, Dave, and I come out of there and I'm going to put my socks on. I sit down in the living room and Richard the Lionheart come to my mind. He was different than all the kings of England. He wasn't just a king, he was a warrior. Can I remind you of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He wasn't just a king. Jesus is a warrior, but I didn't know enough about him, so I'm asking my wife, "Can you go, can you Google can you Google Richard the Lionheart?" She said, who's said?" I said, "I don't know." I must have skipped that day, but I know there's a Richard the Lionheart, and I think they really liked him. And I said, and "By the way." It's all right for your grandkids to chew on my feet while I'm trying to put on my socks, but not your grand dog. Get your dog away from my feet. T. L, Marty June, and Taya wants to chew on my feet while I'm putting on socks and crawl under them, that's fine. But ain't no grand dog gonna do it. And this is where I share all that story to say this this is where we really got tickled at my house. What's the dog's name? Who is she googling? All of a sudden, my wife says, "Richard, get over here." I said, "I thought his name was Wayland." Oh, I called him Richard because I'm looking up a Richard. Well, <laughs> when you get old, you just get confused at our house. Well, she looked him up, and let me just tell you this: Richard the Lionheart—he was a great king, but he was a warrior. And when he left England, he brought great victory. But when he left, the people he left in charge conspired against him. There was mass rebellion. And when he headed back, his throne had been overtaken, but he got thrown in prison. The people mourned. The people wanted Richard the Lionhearted back. But one day he got freed from prison. And when he arrived in England, let me tell you what he'd done. He marched straight to the throne and ripped those off the throne who was trying to occupy it in his absence. And the people begin to cry out, "The lion is back! The lion is back! The lion is back! Look up here and listen to me. The sun' set. the sun's going down on all of eternity, and the sun has spoken. I'm the line of the tribe of Judah. And when he comes back, he's going to march straight to the thrones and take these so-called kings by the nap of the neck and throw them off the throne. And then he'll occupy it. David saw it. The master's reaction. Son, you got anything to say? Then we see the Messiah, God the Son's retribution. And right here is going to touch your heart. This ought to touch your heart if anything will. It's like they, God the Father and God the Son, looked over at the third person of the Trinity and said, Mr. Holy Spirit, you got anything to add? It's almost like I can see the tears of the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like I can hear his voice say, Yeah. Yeah. I call this when God the Holy Spirit speaks, mankind's redemption. Now, therefore. Therefore is tying everything that's just been said. What's been said? Mass rebellion. The Master's reaction and the Messiah's retribution. And the Holy Spirit sees it all, how it's going to happen. God laughed, but now He speaks. He pronounces. He never does anything without warning. God had warned. God the Son says, it's just that quick that I'm fixing to go back and I'm fixing to take back my throne. Holy Spirit, would you like to say anything? Yeah, therefore, because all that's going to happen, here's what you ought to do. It's almost like there's tears running down the face of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Come to convict of sin... Righteousness and what? Judgment to come. What does the Holy Spirit say in this meeting? Now therefore, be wise, O kings. You're foolish. The Holy Spirit, be instructed, you judges of the earth. (laughs) In other words, wise up. Spiritually, wise up to the word. Don't just give instruction. Receive instruction. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying here. Serve the Lord with fear. You guys are not fearing Him. You ought to serve Him with fear. And look at this. And you, and rejoice with trembling. You know what the Holy Spirit's saying? If you guys realize how close you are to the sun going down on all of eternity, and you're gonna end up in hell and you realize you didn't have to go to hell, you could rejoice. And if you've seen how close you was to hell, you'd be trembling the same time you're rejoicing. I mean, the Holy Spirit is trying His best to woo them to Jesus. Kiss the Son, He said, lest He be angry and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who trust in Him. I want you to look up and I want you to listen. God always offers peace before He wages war. And David got a glimpse of the sun going down in eternity and when the sun goes down on all of eternity, the war is on, short-lived. All those that don't trust Him, they go south when the sun goes down in the west to an everlasting hell. All those who trust him end up north in a place called heaven. And the Holy Spirit sees it all coming. And he's begging for kings and rulers and all the people make peace with God. He's fixing to wage war. He's warned you. His Son is coming. Can't you see the tears of the Holy Spirit begging the kings to change, repent, and come to Jesus before it's everlasting? Too late. Come, the Holy Spirit says, before the sun goes down on eternity. Let's all stand. As we all stand today, they often ask, Preacher, what time is it prophetically? And I simply say, later than it's ever been. The sun is setting and soon will go down on all of eternity. If you're here today and you've never been saved, the Holy Spirit's doing his perfect work in convicting you of your sin, convicting you of righteousness if something's not right in your life, and He's convicting you of the judgment to come. He's simply saying amen to the sun is setting spiritually. It's later than it's ever been. Christians, you ought to hit these altars today, greatly encouraged for what God the Father said, you ought to hit these altars greatly encouraged for what God the Son's going to do. But you ought to hit these altars today, surrendered for the Holy Spirit to use you for people to be instructed and become wise and kiss the Son. Father, I pray Christians will draw great encouragement today from these Scriptures. But Father, I pray today if there's one within the sound of my voice that's lost and undone, today would be the day that they kiss the Son. They're saved, born again. Make peace with God before He wages war on mankind you need to come you come